Preparing to delve in three, two, one. anyone would think toaster repair was a good idea. Oh, hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Citanium Mine, and I'm actually pushing some of the other episodes that I had back in order to talk about Wasteland 3, which just came out about a week ago, and I've been playing it since it released, and I wanted to uh, get some thoughts and some uh, early impressions of the game, even though I've actually played for quite a few hours now. I I'd say I'm at least 10 to 15 hours into the game, maybe more and uh, just having a hard time putting it down, which should give you the idea that I'm actually going to give you a fairly positive impression of the game. And I am. In fact, I, I would say that in terms of, like, CRPGs, uh, this is one of the better ones that I have played. I want to talk to you about it a little bit more in detail. First of all, though, I want to give you a little bit of an impression about Wasteland as a series, because you might have heard that term and said, gee, you know what, that sounds a little bit, you know, in terms of, of the story and the concept and even the very concept of a Wasteland Seems an awful lot like Fallout, and you would be right, because actually the origin story of the Fallout series actually starts with Wasteland. Uh, Wasteland was a game originally back in, the, you know, like the 80s that came out and uh, was indeed like a top-down, you know, old-school dungeon quest. You can think of it that way. I did not get a chance to play it when it originally came out. But what I did get a chance to play was when they did Wasteland 2, when they did like the director's cut which uh, was also a CRPG, same kind of uh, idea. And I was actually pretty impressed by it and the world that they built and the ideas that they put in place. And it definitely felt like Fallout. It definitely had that feeling of a Fallout game and had some concepts that I was like, mm, boy, it feels like it borrowed a lot from Fallout. But the truth is that it's actually the reverse. Fallout was built out of the framework of Wasteland now, earlier in the year, they had come out with Wasteland Remastered. So this is actually the remastered, revamped version of the original game. And I can tell you that, quite frankly, it is one of the worst games I have ever seen. <laughs> and it, especially, it's going to be on the bottom. If I do another one of those lists, you know, best to worst list for 2020 games, uh, Wasteland Remastered is probably going to be at the bottom. I, I'm not joking. It The interface was horrible. It, it still had so much of the 80s, assuming that you have a keyboard in front of you where you could type in codes and everything. And the landscape and how they put it together, it felt so slapdash and, and completely user-unfriendly. And I could not bother to do it more than like 15 minutes in the game before I just simply gave up and I was like I don't like this at all I am not enjoying this experience it had way too much of an old school feel it even had the menus that pop up and it just shows you a graphic of what you're fighting and then there's like the the text list on the side of yes this character does this for this much damage and uh, you know I kind of hated it I really did. I was like, no, this is so old school, I can't enjoy it. And then you're trying to make it look like a new game. No, 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 no. It's just it, something about this disparately does not work. But I was not going to let that affect my enthusiasm for Wasteland 3, which I had already seen some previews of, and I thought to myself, this looks really 
good. The whole idea of Wasteland 3, to get you into the story a little bit, the Rangers, the Arizona Rangers, who you seem to always basically play in these games, has been dispatched over to Colorado to try and get the help of this character called the Patriarch, who is amicable to the idea of giving the Rangers resources that they're going to be able to use to keep operating. But the thing is, is that the Patriarch in this kind of needs you to help him with something. And the thing he needs help with is that he has three children. He has two sons and a daughter. And they have kind of, well, betrayed him. The daughter basically tried to stage a coup against him. And then one is probably a psychopath, and one is sort of a ne'er-do-well, uh, and you learn a little bit more of these these characters and how they've all kind of become wayward sons and daughters now, and you have to figure out how to bring them back to the Patriarch. Or not. Maybe you decide to actually side with his daughter. Uh, maybe you want to take on the, the Patriarch. Maybe that's what you want to do. The great thing is, is that the game actually allows you to make these very large choices throughout its entirety. And that's kind of neat. Something that I found really interesting about this game is that at the very start, like when you first jump into the game, it really just puts you right into the action and you start to get to see the grid-based combat that they have for this. It will remind you a lot of XCOM, as the other games did too, but this one is definitely more edging on that side to the point where there's cover and there's half cover and there's like exploding barrels and stuff that you can take advantage of, all of that good stuff in like a grid where you can move your character around and you have a number of action points per character and, you know, using guns or other abilities or, you know, melee weapons has an action point cost, you know, that kind of thing. It's very much like XCOM when you get into combat. It throws you into that right at the start of the game, after you decide who your starting two ranger characters are going to be. They have some pre-built characters that you can take advantage of, or you could actually build from scratch, which I thought was a nice option right up at the front. But you end up under attack, and you are immediately thrown into combat with your starting characters, and uh, find that, you know, the story is born out of this conflict right at the beginning with the Dorseys, and everything that happens during that sequence really gives you an idea of, like, what different skills do, uh, how combat works. They do a really good job of showing you while they're doing it, and then it gets into the real game, and the real game is when you actually meet the Patriarch and you find Ranger HQ, which is kind of like a, a dilapidated facility. After you really meet the Patriarch and talk to him, you are immediately given all of the missions, to find his kids. And it gives you a suggested level for all of that. So it's clear from the outset what your objective is, but you're probably going to be foolhardy if you try to rush into it immediately. Then you realize that before you even get there, before you get to the main quests that you're supposed to be going on in different directions around this map, there's a lot of other things that you probably should be doing in preparation. And so they talk to you about, well, you know, why don't we start with something simple? Maybe we just go around Ranger HQ. And so you uh, get kind of familiar with the actual headquarters and clear out some creatures that are around there, learn a little bit more about what's been going on, and start to staff your facility. This is actually like one of the first main things to do, as well as deal with raiders, 
that are from that group that attacked your convoy. And they're in like downtown Colorado Springs. So you actually have these few things that you can do right in the immediate time frame, even though you can't do the main objectives, which they have told you are there and that you could go and take care of if you wanted to, but it is going to be an absolute slog because you have to be like level 17, 19, something like that in order to really take it on successfully. So try Try if you will, but then there's some smaller objectives that you realize are going to lead to something. While it might seem like the storyline is pretty clear-cut, you are right. It is pretty clear-cut, and that's the great thing about it. It makes it very accessible from the start. I understand exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. But then, they pull a sneaky, and they start talking to you about all of these other things, these smaller things that are really fleshing out the world and the different groups that are involved. Some of them pretty crazy, and talking a little bit more about how those groups actually factor into this. When you're putting your squad together, you can actually have four characters. So you can have four ranger characters. You can uh, actually make ranger characters from scratch, just like you could create your original two. Uh, and then you can also have some other characters that aren't rangers, and you meet some other like uh, PC or NPC characters uh, on your travels that might be able to help you depending on what kind of mission you want to do. Each one of these characters can be upgraded with different skill sets and then you can utilize the characters with the best skills to uh, deal with mechanical issues or hacking skills or sneaking around, anything like that. So if you're really smart about it, you can actually get a team together that can be pretty good at doing most things, but that is... Uh, a little bit of a learning curve about what actually works, what doesn't work. There's a skill called toaster repair, and really the only thing you can do with toaster repair is repair toasters. It's pretty self-explanatory. Why would you want to repair toasters? Well, because actually in toasters, there are actually valuable resources. There's also a whole modding system. You can get uh, weapon and armor mods, and you can upgrade people's skill in that so that you can improve different pieces of armor. And there's also a skill called Animal Whisper, which I find particularly useful. I actually thought it was worth getting it for, like, all of my characters, because uh, when a character has Animal Whisper, they can actually tame different levels of animal in the world and then have, like, an animal sidekick. So if you have six characters and they all have animal sidekicks that give them passive bonuses but also are active attackers... That's pretty useful. I got one character already up to a level of Animal Whisper where she can have a pig. It's just this big pig, and it gives a bonus to your uh, constitution, but then it also just rams your enemies for a bunch of damage in combat. And I was like, I was very happy that I have it, and hopefully, hopefully it does not die. Oh, also, like at the very start of the game, there's this possibility depending on the choices that you make that you can get a cat named major tomcat who wears a ranger hat and major tomcat is terrific and is so useful in combat you have no idea so right from the outset <laughs> it's pretty great in addition to your rangers and all the skills that they have, there's also a vehicle that you get to drive through actual Colorado when you're not in individual areas on the, like, overworld map, and that's the Kodiak. 
and you can actually get upgrades to that as well. And there are some combats that you can essentially drive into, and you can use the weapons on your giant vehicle in order to also help you out in combat. I thought that that was just a really neat idea for wandering the wasteland that you actually have this big, like, mega tank that you can keep upgrading. And by doing those upgrades, too, you can access different areas of the world map that you normally couldn't, like if there's radiation and you can start shielding yourself from radiation, then you can get to those parts of the map. And the overall impression I can give you of Wasteland 3 is that it is so enjoyable and so interesting, very well written, by the way, and fully voice acted at that, with some real areas that have great character, factions that have like whole big backstories, and a really interesting way that you can progress your characters and go into the battle system, which, you know, I liked XCOM just fine, so I was all gung-ho about the actual battle system. I thought that they did a great job with that tactical combat in essentially a, a CRPG. Did a great job with it. Overall, just am having a great time with it, and I would really seriously recommend it to anybody who was looking for a great role-playing experience in 2020, because it, it sometimes can feel like there's a dearth of new, interesting, innovative titles, especially in like the AAA market, but this really isn't a AAA game. This is a smaller studio. This is in exile. This is a smaller project, but done with a certain quality and care that you don't always see in larger games and with also a lot of playability i guess that it's actually about like a 50 hour game so i really haven't even scratched the surface i haven't actually even gotten to the missions with the kids themselves i i am not that far along i'm just trying to deal with you know a, a gang that's dressed up like clowns right now yeah that's a thing but there is a caveat to this that I wanted to discuss, and it really is one that I need to talk about, which is, although I am more than happy to recommend this game and really feel like this has the potential to be one of the greats, I would suggest that if you haven't jumped on it already, if you're not already playing it, or, or you don't have like Game Pass where I'm playing it because it's free on Game Pass, it wouldn't be the worst idea to hold off on buying it for a little bit, because the problem, unfortunately, with Wasteland is nothing to do with, like, the gameplay itself. It has to do with stability issues and technical problems. One of the things that I was really surprised by was how frequent the crashes were. I was really surprised. This crashed more for me than, like, Skyrim the first time around when I played it. I was really shocked by how often that happened. Uh, in addition, there are really some, some major technical issues that you experience throughout the course. Some glitches, which, you know, if you're smart, you might actually be able to exploit. I realized that, like, skill books, which are supposed to just give you a single point in a skill, they don't actually go off the screen of whether you want to use the skill point after the first time. So you can utilize it a second time to get two points. They'll probably patch that out, but not the thing where the game freezes on you. So, so take advantage of that while you can, if you're able to, and only use it at high levels because the amount of skill points you need for each level gets higher. And then the other thing that was really bothersome for me is that even though it's a CRPG, and I wouldn't necessarily say that it is graphically profuse or anything like that, 
and it feels like it should be a lot easier to you know load in and out of screens there are a lot of loading screens and they do take a long time to load in i was actually kind of shocked by how long the load screens were and i don't know if it's an optimization problem or if there's just so many assets i cannot imagine it's because of the number of assets i really do feel like this is a game that it makes me a little bit sad for the one reason that it is such a good experience when you're able to play it the way the developers have made it. However, the amount of technical issues and the load screens and the, the problems with the actual user experience hold it back from greatness, and it has nothing to do with the game itself. It has everything to do with technical problems and encoding issues and long load screens, which I have to tell you is the real reason why I kind of pieced out of Pillars of Eternity. It had that same problem, and I just didn't want to deal with that anymore. But it, that doesn't stop this from being a, a wonderfully innovative experience where your choices really do matter. This is not a game where you can just get to everything and do everything. There are going to be junction points in this title, which are terrific, where you have to make a choice of which mission you are going to go to because there are two crises, and you can deal with one of them, but you ain't going to deal with the other one, and you have to decide who you're going to help and who you're going to leave. These are real choices that you get to make. Big choices that even affect the end game and how all the factions view you and what's going to be available to you. And that is a really interesting experience. A lot of times RPGs will kind of let you try to do everything. And while I can appreciate that, I really liked the hard choice of having to determine what I think is more important. This caravan of power armor that's going to be used for the marshals, uh, or this family farm where these bandits have taken them hostage and are looking for you to come and save them. If you can't get to one because you did the other one, what missions, uh, what characters are you never going to meet in your playthrough? These are actual real choices that I liked having in an RPG experience, and I am very interested to see what else the game has in store for me. This is the part of the show where I usually talk about other games of its type that you might be able to play if maybe this doesn't really appeal to you, or maybe you want something that has better stability issues because it's been out for longer, etc. I would say that if you can get a copy of Wasteland to the Director's Cut, which was the game that came before this, that was actually quite good. That was actually quite good and has the same general feeling as this title, but in terms of just CRPGs in general, uh, as I said, Pillars of Eternity, I kind of pieced out on because I don't know why you need so many damn load screens and why they have to be so long. I need, I need a load screen so I can go into a one-room shack and then look around the shack for five seconds and then there's another load screen that's like a minute to go out of the shack. It was just, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry, it's just ridiculous. But I'll tell you a game that didn't have that problem, which is Divinity Original Sin. That's right, Divinity Original Sin 1 and 2, and I would actually say that even though I finished 1 and I have not gotten a chance to finish 2 yet, the quality of 2 is undeniable. It really is. And Larian Studios does such a good job at just building these big, open areas that you really feel fine exploring in detail and having the environment interact with itself. 
And then, of course, I would say that if you're looking for the tactical combat aspect, I, you can't go wrong with XCOM, obviously. But, but, there is another game that I wanted to highlight that you might not know about, which is Mutant Year Zero. Now, Mutant Year Zero, Road to Eden, is actually a video game based off of the role-playing system and really makes you interested in the role-playing system. It actually plays a lot more closely to this game than other games that I just mentioned, because there's an overworld map, and then there are individual areas that you can go to, and then there's a tactical overlay when you jump into combat, and you can get the jump on some of your enemies and everything. And it's really fun, and the characters that you get to play are really great, and they all have their individual skill trees. Like, your main two characters are like a bipedal-talking anthropomorphic hog, and then a, a, a bipedal anthropomorphic duck, that also has, like, insect wings. There's, there's, like, your first two characters you get to meet. And their names are Ducks and Borman. So right there. It's so much fun. It was a really well-done game, I have to say. It wasn't a particularly long game. In fact, I think I, I can easily tell you that the Wasteland games are longer than it. But it was a very enjoyable experience. And it will fall a little bit closer to XCOM than maybe anything else. But it will definitely serve as a good analog to this because there's also an individual progression system and uh, upgrades that you can do. I would say that Wasteland 3 does a much better job at fleshing out different character aspects, the individual perks that you can take, individual skills that you can upgrade. They do a lot more with it. But if you're looking for something that strips a lot of that down and really focuses more on the actual tactical combat, check out Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden. I think it will scratch that itch just fine. So there you go. Uh, Wasteland 3 is indeed a very good game, and if it weren't for the unfortunate technical issues that might just be because the game is very new and it was done by a small studio and it's a very ambitious title... Uh, then it might just be up there in like the S tier for role-playing games. It's, it's well done from an actual story perspective. It's well done from a gameplay perspective. The characters are interesting. The world building is interesting. They do a great job with it. I like the idea of vehicles as part of combat. Everything about it just is a real breath of fresh air. And I, I liked it immensely. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still playing it right now. And I would love to hear other people's feedback. If you have gotten a chance to play it or experience it in any way, what you thought of it. And I do find it a little bit amusing that this newest installment in the Wasteland series, which was the origin story of Fallout, is now doing better than the Fallout series right now. Because I can tell you with no uncertainty that Wasteland 3 is so, so much better than Fallout 76 ever will be. I, I there, there's my hot take for the day. Alright, so thank you for joining me here on the Citanium Mine. And the minecart is actually not running anymore. Uh, we had to shut it down. Sort of like that elevator in Big Bang Theory. You know how they never actually got that to work? Oh, you're just going to walk out. You're just, you're just walking. You know, it's going to take a while. Okay, well, well, it was nice of you to join me, and you know where I can get some cybernetic implants? Uh, 